What's up, y'all? This is John and Mike back for another episode, a championship episode of the Nothing Finder podcast. Once again, live on Millions. And if you're watching on YouTube, um, I apologize for the intro video being kind of weird and off. I don't know what was going on with that. Um, but for tonight, we are planning on talking about all Power 5 conference title games going on this weekend. And Cody Goodwin is coming back to talk about coming back on to talk about this weekend's matchup against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, before we get into all that, we want to remind y'all about our merch that's on Millions and announce that we have a third and Beck t-shirt that's gone up. Um, somebody bought one earlier this week, so that's pretty cool. Oh, sweet. There we um, go. I didn't even realize it was live. Shit. Yeah, um, it went up, and I didn't even know it was up until I got an email saying somebody bought one. So that's pretty cool. Okay. Um, but now we got two different shirts up and, um, I planned on working on a third one today cause I got home early. Um, and then some old folks home in almost in Charleston decided to catch one of their dryers on fire and I had to go, um, I had to go change out some sprinklers and just got home about 10 minutes ago. So <laughs> seems but, it seems about right. Yeah. How are you doing? Uh, not, not, not too bad. Still kind of, you know, nasally congested, all that stuff. Uh, just, you know, over here drinking water, just trying to make it through till uh, championship week. I mean, Friday night's going to be exciting. We're going to talk about the pack 12 in a minute, but I'm um, just, just counting down the hours. How about you? Yeah. Uh, same, same. Um, I already kind of talked about my day a little bit. I'm drinking a bubbly strawberry sparkling water. Uh, okay. I don't know, man. I like sparkling water and I like fruit flavors. So nothing wrong with that. Hey, say what you will. Um, but yeah, man, just, just tired. Been a long week at work. Um, mm -hmm. and I know people don't want to hear this, but it's too damn cold here right now. We weren't ready for it. We <laughs> No, this is like January weather. I yeah. woke up. And at my house, it was below freezing this morning. It's not even December yet. Like, that's, yeah, that's January, February weather for us. I had to run my car for about 10 minutes to get it defrosted because we don't have a scraper. Or at least I don't know where it's at. That is one good thing about having so many trees in our yard. Our windshields never really get frosty. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's too damn cold. When I got to break out the Carhartt vest to go to work, like, mm. I moved to Savannah to get away from that. Same. I uh, I had to put away the shorts and put on some sweatpants. Oh, don't get me wrong. Friday, I'll, I'll be wear, wearing shorts on Friday because it's supposed to be 70 again. That, that is why we feel like shit because it keeps going up and down. It was 80 last week. It's 30 degrees tomorrow morning too. It's it's crazy. Yeah, just uh, just thankful that Friday morning will be warm. And as yeah. of right now, I don't have to work. So it'll be... It'll be a good day. Um, mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and jump into the Pac-12 here. So Cody's going to be joining us shortly after the press conference that Saban's having. Uh, I think it's actually right now. Um, so Pac-12 title game, Oregon nine and a half point favorites versus Washington over under 65 and a half. So the final edition of the Pac-12 title game as we know it is in in-season rematch between my Washington Huskies and the Red Hot Oregon Ducks. 
Um, one of the funniest things about this game to me is that it was fairly obviously moved to Vegas to accommodate the uh, Southern California schools mm-hmm. that the Pac-12 envisioned playing in this game more frequently. Um, but the last time a team from south of Salt Lake City, Utah, won the Pac-12 was 2017. Was that Washington? No. It was USC. Oh. Was yeah. Oh, that was Clay Helton. Yeah, don't disrespect Clay Helton. No, never. Um, but yeah, so I, I, that's just kind of funny to me. Um, but we've got this heavyweight fight in the first round on Friday night. This is normally a fun game to watch. But this season will actually have playoff implications as either Washington or Oregon are both in the top four with a win. Um, I think this is the first time that the Pac-12 title has been a win and end situation since the playoff started. Yeah, I'm curious. Do you remember who Washington played? Because they're the only other Pac-12 that's made it to the playoff. That was well, Oregon what, made it in the first year. Oh yeah, they, yeah. Um. And then Washington made it in the 2016 season playoff, which technically was played in 2017. Mm. But um, they both lost. Oregon yeah, actually it made it to a title game. Um, lost to Ohio State in 2014. Oh, that's right. I kept thinking about the uh, when they played Auburn. No, that the was Cam Newton 2010. Yeah. That was 2010. Yeah, that was... thinking four years before the play. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then the uh, Florida State one, but they didn't play or they did play. I don't I don't know. I'm Florida, in time. Oregon, I'm, I'm lost. Oregon beat Florida State. In the Rose Bowl. In the Rose Bowl. And then lost to Ohio State in the title game. The all Big Ten National Championship. That's just gross. I need you to take it, that back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. This should never be a thing. Uh, um, so Bo Nix and the Ducks are bringing in the second-ranked scoring offense against the Huskies' 46th-ranked scoring defense. Um, and to break down the Washington defense just a little bit more, they're 40th in run, in run stop. And the potential Achilles heel on this team, um, pass defense, they're 122nd. Ooh. Um, we call that not good. Mm, very not good. Yeah. Opposite of good, some would say, to be that low. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've also not gotten to the quarterback very well this season with only 12 sacks. And they had zero in the first game against Oregon. Um, they're 110th in sacks. So the best thing they do on defense is get interceptions. They've got 12 this season, puts them at eighth in the country. Once again, zero against Oregon in their first matchup. Um, The bad news for Washington is Oregon is third in the country at, um, at throwing interceptions, only four on the season. And to make it just a little worse, Bo Nix is only two of those. The one the one thing I'd push back on is Oregon's strength of schedule isn't very good. I mean, obviously the best team they played is is Washington, but they kind of beat up on some weaker competition outside of the Oregon State game, which they demolished. I mean, they've they've turned it on as of late, but So or, the thing about Oregon is they didn't really have any close games. 
Even teams that were yeah. supposed to be good, mm-hmm. they just beat the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. Like Utah was ranked when Oregon beat the shit out of them. Um, Southern Cal was ranked when Oregon beat the shit out of them. Colorado mm-hmm. was still a hype train at that point in time. That's really what derailed the hype train. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Oregon's just done kind of what Georgia did last year. Doesn't matter what you put in front of me, I'm beat it with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. And that makes a lot of sense because Dan Lanning was the defensive coordinator at Georgia up until last mm-hmm. season. Um, so I just want to quickly go through some of the stats that um, the Oregon offense is putting up because obviously they've broken records this season, um, especially Bo Nix. They are second in scoring offense, averaging 45.2 points per game. That skewed a little bit because if you leave out the 81 they dropped on Portland State, it's uh, 38.18 points per game. They scored 81 in the game. That's still unbelievable. It is. Um, the thing is, th- 38 points per game, I'm pretty sure, is still top 15. So mm-hmm. it's still still really yes. good. Yeah. Um, second in total offense with 540.2 yards per game. First in passing offense with 351.4 yards per game. And 23rd in rushing offense with 188.8 yards per game. Um, they're just really good. Like, I, you can break it down a million different ways. But mm-hmm. this Oregon offense is phenomenal. And something, you know, I've heard it brought up quite a few times. People talk about Bo Nix being old. Um... Granted, he has been in college football since 2019. Um, pre-pandemic, yeah. Pre-pandemic. But he was 17 when he was starting his first game at Auburn. Um, he's against 23 o- years old. Yeah, he started that first game was against Oregon, too. It, just, it was against Oregon. Beautiful. Um, full circle. But he if you call 23 years old old, <laughs> you're just mean to the rest of us. Well, I mean, teaching in middle school, I've been old since I've started teaching. They all always guess I'm either I'm either 23 or 50 or, or 60. Like, who know, who knows how old I really am? Um, someone, someone that I know pretty well now, met when I first got home from deployment, started growing my beard out. Um, was 25 at the time, mm-hmm. and somebody said, "How old do you think John is?" And they said, "35." How? <laughs> and um, the part of my soul that died that day is still is has never come back. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I get me it. Ten That's... years. That was just rude. Mm-hmm. And now I got gray in my Fish. beard, so I actually look like it. I mean, facial hair does that though. When I shave it, I look like a baby, oh. albeit a much uglier baby than I am right now. This Friday marks um, four years since the last time I've shaved my face. I do it every like two that, weeks. It was, it was the day before the SEC championship in 2019. It's your fault. Nope. 
I, I don't think you can blame uh, the James Coley <laughs> offense of 2019 on versus Joe Burrow. I mean, yeah, no, no, no. I don't think that no. can be blamed on me. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um. So back to this game. So no one has found a way to stop this Oregon offense this season. The closest anyone has come at any point in 12 games was last week. Oregon State only allowed 31 points. That game was so disappointing. I was hoping for a good final Civil War. You know, I this is something that I really should have done, but I got lazy this weekend. On Sunday, I wanted to get a bunch of video clips together and um, make a reel that was like, what I thought of every game this weekend. And for this one, it would be like, what are you, the Incredibles, what are you waiting for? I don't know, something amazing. <laughs> Didn't get it. Didn't get yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For Mizzou, Arkansas, it was going to be, stop, he's dead already. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Oh. Um, so the Oregon defense is also not going to give Washington a break. They're seventh best nationally, only allowing 15.92 points per game. And Washington's offense slightly tapering off late in the season. Um, They've dropped to 38 points per game, good for 11th. The one hope that Washington has, you get Michael Penix on the sideline, I don't care if it's Vegas and and in an arena. You put that big-ass coat on him, and you get him <laughs> freestyling with his receivers, and he will win you this game. Because mm-hmm. that was exactly what happened before that game-winning drive against Oregon earlier in the season. That's the only hope they've got. Um, mm. I just don't really see a way for Washington to win this rematch. And if you want to go to rematch trends, as of 2019, an article written by Barry Trammell, the team that wins the original matchup only wins the rematch 51.3% of the time. I mean, even going back in the last five years, watching Georgia 2017 Auburn get killed at Auburn, beat them in the SEC championship. Mm -hmm. Um, 2021, lose to Alabama in December, beat them the second week of January. you know, it's tough. I, just, I mean, because they you're not used to playing the same team twice in college, especially. I mean, it you know it happens occasionally in conference championships, but it's difficult to do. I mean, they say the same thing in the NFL too. It's hard to sweep a team or even beat them three times if you play them in the playoffs. So it makes sense. And it's the you know I've heard it explained this way, and it kind of, it makes a lot of sense to me. When you beat a team the first time. Especially, you know, going back to those two Georgia games we talked about, Georgia got the shit kicked out of them, both of those. So the Mm -hmm. team that beat them probably didn't think that they needed to change anything going into Mm -hmm. the rematch. Um, Turns out they should have. But with Washington barely beating Oregon, Oregon still scoring, you know, a significant number of points in that game. Maybe Washington has rethought their game plan. Um Mm -hmm. I just don't know if it's going to matter. I think Oregon's going to cover that nine and a half. I just think I think yeah. the teams have trended in the opposite directions over the last month or so of the season, and uh, mm-hmm. I just I don't see a way. And I hate to say it because Washington's my bandwagon team, <laughs> right? But I, but I got to be intellectually honest, and uh, mm. 
this Oregon team, you could say you could say they're a roasted duck at this point because they've been on fire for about six eight weeks. That's kind of why I'm going to go the opposite, to be honest. Like the, the nine and a half number is is as well as Oregon's been playing and how. I mean, the last, you know, what, five out of six weeks, Washington's only won by, you know, one score, one possession. Um, I mean, it makes sense that people are favoring Oregon, but nine and a half is a lot. I think Oregon's going to win still, but I'm going to take Washington to cover that, that plus nine and a half okay. for them. And, I mean, I want to see Oregon win this game. I want to have, you know, potentially a, a Kirby Smart, Dan Lanning National Championship or semifinal or something like that. Like, I mean, that would be fun. I think Washington's a more beatable team, so I would prefer yeah. them to win. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, they're both – I mean, you know, like you talked about earlier, you know, win and get in. Like, they're both going to be, you know, hyped and amped and they're not going to score anything in the first quarter because they're – both so amped up and everything. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to do the over-under, though. But, yeah, no. I'm going to go with Washington at plus nine and a half. I'm, I'm not touching the over-under either because I personally hope it shatters and goes yeah. way over. Mm-hmm. Like, give me a 47-35 kind of game. You want, like, a bizarro Big Ten championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I want them to be like, damn, we should have set this over under at 100 and not, <laughs> we should have set this over under at 10. <laughs> Did you see that the team total, uh, I think Barstool put it out, the team total for Iowa in the first half is 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5. We'll, we'll get. It's even money. It's even money. <laughs> we will get to that because. I have a very interesting thought on that. That is probably going to surprise you. Okay. Um, so we still got about 10 minutes before, before Cody's going to be coming on and joining us. Do you want to go ahead and talk about that Michigan game? Because I don't really think that either of us have very many hot takes or big opinions. No. I, yeah, we can, we can do that first because yeah, that won't take very long. All right, so this is absolutely Michigan's twenty-one and a half point favorites, um, over under thirty-five and a half. So, just doing some quick degenerate math. Vegas thinks Iowa will be lucky to get thirteen points. They only scored thirteen against Nebraska. Got shut out by Penn State, thirty-one nothing. You know, earlier in the season, like that, I get it. Yeah. So going back to that Iowa first half line um, being over under 0.5 points, I say take the over, shockingly, mm-hmm. because if you look back through all the games Michigan's played without Jim Harbaugh on the sideline, the defense has performed better when he's not there. Mm hmm. Well, even that too, just uh, you know, fluky stuff can happen. I mean, yeah, you told me that Iowa can't get a blown coverage on a five-yard tight end route and yeah. get it close or kick, enough, or you know, Michigan has a turnover and you know, in their own territory, and and they were able to kick a field goal because Iowa lives for kicking. That is what they're there for. That they have shirts that say "punt" on it. They love they love the kicking game. So like, it, 
just getting a field goal or hell, even a fucking safety. That's on the table. Question. Right. So, I mean, I would I would take the over there, too. And I'm not field... telling you to take it. Yeah. But yeah. if I was going to, yeah. I would take the over. It's, it's understandable. If you had to gun to your head, over 0. 0.5 points for Iowa in the first half. And, you know, so... if if they implemented the rule that I wish they would and said, if you have a kickoff that goes through the uprights, you get a point. Hmm. And uh, Iowa defers. Boom. One point right off the bat. Easy. Yeah, there you go. Easy. Mm-hmm. I wish that Easy. was a rule. It, uh, it really it really should be. And, well, and one other thing I will say with the Big Ten championships, the last uh, two years, so two years ago, they, or three years ago, whenever they first beat Ohio State this, this uh, decade, they beat Iowa in that game. I'd have to look at the score, but, I mean, it was it was close in the first half, and then, you know, Michigan blew them out later on. It's kind of the same deal with Michigan against Purdue last year. I mean, it's kind of, you know, you have such a big letdown, you know, how emotional last week was with uh, Michigan and Ohio State, the whole, you know, Jim Harbaugh's back thing uh, this coming week, and then you don't know if he's going to get suspended again for the playoff and all that. Um, that would be it's... hilarious. Mm-hmm. If the NCAA not... suspended him for the rest of the season, like on Sunday, yeah, and Michigan went to the national title game, mm-hmm. they would have won six games with Jim Harbaugh not on the sideline. Sharon Moore. I mean, he's, he's definitely going to be gonna get some somewhere next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this was I the mean... worst thing that could have happened for Harbaugh keeping him as offensive coordinator. Yeah, because he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> if Power five for sure. Somebody in the Big Ten West or somewhere will come after him. I mean, he'll – he should take it. But um, there was something else that I was going to say too. Oh, yeah. With uh, it, Tony Petiti, the uh, Big Ten commissioner, has to give out the trophy. For that reason, I need Michigan to win this game. Yeah. yeah I mean, for this one – if Penn State shut out Iowa 31-0 with Penn State having arguably one of the worst offenses and a team with a winning record this season, mm-hmm. Michigan may put up 45 and not give up a single point. It's possible they can cover the over-under on their own. Yeah. Like it's that, probably more likely than anything. Yeah. like I, I don't see any reason whatsoever to take Iowa anything on this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I don't want to touch the over under, but if I did, I would say over just because Michigan's offense is Michigan's offense is better with Harbaugh, but their defense is better without him. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah, it is. It is an odd thing. I mean, uh, Harbaugh is a, you know, quarterback whisperer. Obviously he was, you know, one of the Heisman finalists when he was playing at Michigan in the eighties and obviously played quarterback NFL quarterback whisperer. Like he comes up behind him puts his hands on their shoulders and starts rubbing them and just in their ear. He's always wearing like receiver gloves too. So like even that's going to be an odd, I don't know if I've ever been massaged with receiver gloves before. Hope hope to never have that happen. (laughs) Yeah. Let's hope nobody ever has that happen. That sounds awful. (laughs) But uh, yeah. So like, yeah, officially I'm going to take the Michigan to cover that 21 and a half. I, uh, I'm going to, 
I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to take the over-under on that. I really want it to be the over like you were talking about. But I think Iowa, what, what is it? They're they're going, their uh, Thunders hit 10 of 12 games or something like that. Yeah. So. Does Michigan fall yeah. to three if they beat Iowa 13 to zero? Probably. I mean, not that it matters, but yeah. I just. They should. They should absolutely fall to three if they, they only beat Iowa by 13 or 13 nothing. They should. I, you know. Go ahead, go ahead and drop them to five. If you if you beat Iowa by thirteen in a conference title game and they mm. score zero points, you don't deserve mm. the playoff. No, you're going to lose in the first round anyways. It's your new tradition. Beat <laughs> Ohio State and mm-hmm. lose in the first round. I'm really I'm really curious as if they if they stay at two or three, who who that would be. I mean, obviously it all matters. You know, this weekend especially with. Though the Pac-12 championship or champions probably going to play them and probably play them Pasadena, I would think. Probably. Yeah. Because it's Cotton Bowl Rose Bowl this year, right? Uh, Sugar Bowl Rose Bowl. Sugar Bowl Rose Bowl. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, because the Pac-12 t- team is not going to go number one unless all hell breaks loose. And uh, they, you know, number one seed gets the geographic uh, advantage there, so. We were talking about that today. I was talking about it with uh, one of my colleagues, with all the Ohio State fans that were bitching about Georgia playing in the Peach Bowl last year. Oh, it's a home game, seventy miles away from Athens. Yeah, beat fucking Michigan, and then you maybe you could play closer to home. Well, yeah, but there's also no New Year's Six bowls in the Midwest. True. I think the closest is probably the Peach Bowl. Um, Sugar Bowl or Cotton Bowl, I guess, depending on. Depending on where you're at, yeah. If you're yeah. Iowa. Which is never going to happen. Teams yeah. that will never make the playoff. So for the Big Ten, so Mich- like Michigan, Columbia, uh, you know, Ohio State. Nah, I'm not going to say Penn State. It would still be it would be Atlanta. They just go down 75 straight away, straight, uh, straight down. So. Um. All right. So games that we're not talking about today. Which one do you think will be the best? And I'll read them off for you here because we have another couple of minutes. Um, So I know SMU and Tulane is this weekend for the American Conference. That's a a three-point spread for Tulane. Huh. Um, New Mexico State, the same New Mexico State that beat Auburn. And Liberty, who is undefeated, is Friday... Um, Liberty's favored by 11 there. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. I think the last is the uh, Mac championship Toledo. Um, I know in our nothing finer poll, Toledo's gotten votes. I don't, um, I don't remember. Did they make the top 25 or they just got receiving votes? They're receiving votes. Yeah. Toledo's 11 and one. They're not a bad team. They're, they're the, uh, the Georgia of the Mac as of late. Cause they can, I mean, they get the best recruits of all the guys that didn't get into big 10 schools and everything like that. Um, that game should be competitive. I mean, it's not going to be like the most exciting football or anything like that, but um, the Mac championship is usually pretty interesting. There's not usually a blowout one way or another. Not that, you know, we've talked about the Mac at all. Again, there's no really reason to do that, but Toledo's good. They really and, are. And uh, Miami made, a conference title game 
yeah. the Miami, Ohio. Yeah. The real Miami. Miami my, yeah, Miami's back. Of Ohio. Um, I think App State and Troy will be very interesting just because App State does weird stuff, man. They've Tell taken me. they've taken North Carolina to overtime twice the twice over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, I know you don't want to talk about it. Nope, nope, not, it didn't happen. A and M, they beat A and M last year. They did beat A and M last year. Um, they also beat Michigan in 07 when they were still FCS. I can't not talk about it. Yeah, you know what? That was a national championship team. There's no shame in that. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Is uh is Florida allowed to say that about when they lost to Georgia Southern? Well, Georgia Georgia Southern was FBS at that point, though, right? Were they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but they've won national title in like the last few years. Well, when was the last Georgia Southern title? I mean, it was this millennium. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, they won a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. They won but, six FCS titles. Okay. Um, let me see. And App State was up there too with with how many they've won. So that it's kind of cool that they they brought that into the Sun Belt and uh, continued that. And I, I don't know if they play the last game of the year every year, but that was kind of cool to see them do that on a rivalry Saturday. Their Wikipedia page says that App State is their main rival. There we go. Um, Not Georgia State. Okay. I mean, I mean that makes State's sense second. though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they have the FCS, you know, tradition with with App State, so that makes sense. Uh, George Southern's last title was two thousand. That was that was Paul Johnson. Yeah, but yeah, mm. I think that'll be interesting because Troy's a good team, but just mm-hmm. like most Troy teams, it it's all defense. Yeah, like their offense is okay, mm. but it, it's all it's all defense. The over under is fifty two and a half for that game too. Let's go oh. over. <laughs> um, hmm. It says. Uh, I'll message you real quick. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I think there's going to be a lot of good games this weekend, and if you have the recording space, record all of them, mainly because. We're we're not far from no more football for the season. And I don't like to say it, but it's true. Mm-hmm. So record all of the games. Um, yeah. And, and don't, don't even have to necessarily watch them right now, I guess. Save it for like a rainy day. Again, no free ads, but YouTube TV is really good for that. I, I it, it quenches my thirst like in like April, May. That keeps it for six months. Oh, yeah. And, you know, once again, no free ads, but the um, Fubo does the same thing. Hmm. How long does it keep them for? Do you know? Like a month? Until you don't need them anymore. Oh, shit. There you go. Mm, there we go. Hey, what's up? What's up? How's it going? Another day in paradise, man. How are you guys? Right, doing right. all right. Yeah, well, doing well. Um, so we are excited to bring Cody Goodwin back to talk to us tonight about this game in Atlanta. Are you excited? I'm excited, man. This is like, you know, it 
tied dogs, Kirby, Saban, like potential playoff ramifications. I know that there's a lot of other dominoes that have to fall, but maybe not so much for Georgia if they win. But I mean, this is this is it, man. Two Titans going at it. I'm I'm excited. This is gonna be a fun game. Absolutely. We both got a little bit of crud going yeah. on, so if I look over, I'm trying to breathe. I've been there. It, mm-hmm. In Savannah, it's gone from like 30 to 83 times in the last week and a half. Oh, yeah. So it's, Just like yeah. whiplash a little bit like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So with the way the season has gone, some up, some down, some questionable moments, was there ever a point where you thought Alabama would not be playing in a game this weekend? Yeah. Um. You know, I think they – I mean, the quarterback thing right at the beginning of the year, that was just, you know, we weren't exactly sure what was going to happen because, you know, Jalen Milrow gets benched after the Texas game and, you know, come to find it was more of, you know, I think Alabama felt comfortable going down to South Florida without him um, and they kind of wanted to see how he would respond. And, you know, since then he's morphed into one of the best players in the country. But I mean, it's kind of taken time for the whole operation to get to where it's at now. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a versatile offense, but. Yeah, I mean, there there were a lot of moments where you weren't sure, you know, because I feel like the defense has always been fine um, outside of one quarter against Sark, and nobody has really stopped LSU, so whatever, throw those out. But, you know, the, the defense has been fine. It's, it's the offense that has really dictated, I think, the ceiling of this Alabama team, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, you just weren't sure if they were going to figure everything out. Like, you know, it was predominantly the defense that shut down Ole Miss, um, the game in South Florida was whatever, but it kind of, you know, okay, without Milrow back there, it's like, woof, like, this is not, this is not good. Right. And then, you know, A&M, they figured out Arkansas, they figured out and it was really, you know, and I know that there was a scooping score, but like the second half against Tennessee, I think it was really like, that was the light bulb moment where it's like, okay, like this is, you know, that's a pretty good Tennessee team, not a great team, but a good team. And they dug themselves out of a hole and, since then it's like you know weird stuff happens at jordan Hare, so you can you know maybe throw that one out too but like all things together like the it's yeah there were i mean there were a lot of moments i wasn't sure if they would get out of a&m alive um you worry a little bit during that arkansas game because kj and and the the razorbacks like you know they struggled this year but a lot of good dudes still on that team and they had not checked out at that point so when they start storming back it's like okay defense needs to make a play right um You know, they go down 20 to 7 against Tennessee. Okay. Um, you know, same thing with LSU. It's like, are they going to be able to go shot for shot? Are they going to be able to stop them? Um, stop them enough. Um, and then obviously we saw what happened in the Iron Bowl. And it's like, oof, man, like that's, yeah, there were a lot of times where, you know, they were hanging by a thread. And I weren't sure, I wasn't sure if they were going to be in this position. But, you know, give, you know, Saban and the gang a lot of credit, man. This has been an incredible coaching job, I think. Hmm. And you kind of alluded to it already, but after the second half of the season that Milrose had, what's the confidence level of Bama fans with that roller coaster of the last, you know, four to six plays of that Iron Bowl uh, last week? Yeah, I think it, when it comes to a rivalry game, like, I mean, you guys have seen enough college ball, like you throw everything out the window. Like that is a matter of, you know, win by any means necessary, especially when you get to, you know, Alabama at that point, it's 10 and one, like you need to win out to give yourself potential playoff chance like you know that's that's what's on the table and so at that point it's not about style points it's about going into Jordan Hare and just trying to figure it out and so 
you know, they, I mean, they shot themselves in the foot quite a bit, right? Like they had two more touchdowns got called off the board because of penalties. Milrow made a lot of, you know, really dumb mistakes with the two, um, you know, illegal forward passes, um, yeah. you know, just little things here and there. And then, you know, give, give a lot of credit to you freeze, man. Like they, that motion based matchup thing really gives Alabama fits and Sark did it through the passing game. Hugh Freeze did it through the run game. And it was just, you know, a lot of window dressing and whatnot. And, you know, it turned into seven yards of carry. And, you know, it you combined that with some of Alabama's mistakes. And it turned into a dogfight. And, you know, I, I think the confidence level is still there. But, yeah, I mean, for a while, it's like, you know, they're facing fourth and goal from the 31. It's like, are they going to yeah. do this? And, you know, weird, yeah. weird stuff happens at Jordan Hare. The, the good news is, for at least for us, is that, a long impossible play has already been done by Milrose, so we don't have to worry about that next week. <laughs> yeah, he just exhausted his miraculous. <laughs> yeah, you only get one of those a year, right? <laughs> no, it, so Milrose thing, it seems like if he has a what the hell are you doing play, two or three plays later, he's going to do how the hell did you do that play? Yeah. Like that just seems to be his his thing this year. It's literally yeah. a roller coaster. It's like the the I don't know if you remember the Michael Vick commercial from like when he was on the Falcons. Like they actually made that into like a you know like a roller coaster ride. That's the Jalen Milrow experience. A little bit, yeah. Because like I mean, for a while, like it wasn't like for a while he really kind of leveled out. You know, I would you know again second half of the Tennessee game is usually where I point to where it's like they figured a lot of things out and they played really good ball that second half against LSU, against Kentucky, against Chattanooga, the last two whatever. Um, you know, but I think one of the of, of the many cool traits that we've gotten to see kind of Milrow develop over the last year, and there's there's been a lot of them, um, you know, and it, this is going to sound like such a coaching cliche because Saban's like the biggest thing we've tried to impress on him is just, you know, play the next play. Like, don't worry about it. And I think we saw that in real time at the Iron Bowl, you know, because yeah. you think back to week two at Texas. I don't know how much you guys watched that game, but like he threw the pick, the first pick, and he got down on himself. And then he threw the next pick. You know, at that point, it's like 16-13. Alabama had kind of turned it into a rock fight, and they were winning in the fourth quarter. And then he threw the next pick, and it's just, you know, it's – I don't know that he, like, physically shut down, but you could tell, like, mentally he was just not quite there anymore. And so then fast forward to the Iron Bowl, and, you know, he's making dumb mistakes here and there, like illegal forward pass, like maybe throwing when he should have ran, running when he should have thrown. Um, you know, I, I don't have to recap that entire series, right? Bad snap, another illegal, you know, forward pass, and all of a sudden it's fourth and 31, but – you know, the fact that he just continued to play the next play and he just maintained his poise and he maintained focus on the task at hand. And like there's there's a million different camera shots of that touchdown to Isaiah Bond, right, where everybody goes nuts and the Alabama sideline goes crazy. But there's a couple out there where that you, you see Milrow after the touchdown pass and he's very he's very level. He's very mm -hmm. even keel. You know, it very the exact same reaction that he had after the bad snap, exact same reaction after the penalty on third down. And so of the many cool traits that he's developed, I think just that poise and that confidence and that just, okay, what's the next play? Um, that's been really cool to kind of see him develop that over the course of the year. And I think that was on display in the Iron Bowl. And I don't know that they win that game without that specific trait in Jalen Milrow. It's been really fun. Mm -hmm. So this isn't necessarily in the, uh, in the outline, but it's something I just thought of. So last week in the broadcast for the Iron Bowl, CBS said that one of the things that helped turn around the offense is Tommy Reese simplified it a lot as far as like who you read and all that sort of thing. Is there any truth to that or is that just CBS doing CBS things? No, I think there's, you know, 
Tommy Reese, I mean, we haven't really gotten to talk to him, but just in the conversations that we've had with Saban and Milrow, like they have, I don't know that they've simplified the offense, but they've really kind of ripped up the playbook a little bit to only include plays where he feels confident, Um, you know, and his confidence has grown over the course of the season. So maybe they put pages back in as the season's gone along. But, um, you know, I think the biggest thing with Milrow too, is just like, he's gotten more reps. So like, you know, just the repetition of the thing, the consistency of the thing, feeling what it actually feels like to go out there and play SEC opponents and and feel that speed and understand what you can and can't do. You know, that's going to ultimately like breed confidence a lot more. And, you know, he's he's really starting to, you know, I think at, at first, you know, he's just trying to execute the offense, whatever it is. And so it looks kind of I don't want to say robotic, but it's just like you need to do A and if A's not there, you need to do B. And if B's not there, like whoops you know like kill the play right mm-hmm. um as the season has unfolded more like i know i talked a lot about just like his poise and whatnot but like he's and we really saw it against um you know lsu and kentucky i thought a lot and then we saw it a little bit against auburn but not quite as much they had a really good defensive game plan but like he is recognizing that he's got a lot of traits and skills and he's understanding how those traits and skills are impacting defenses And now he's starting to recognize in real time and adjusting to that on the fly. Like a lot of times against, you know, LSU, for example, like he took off running. That was not something he did a lot. So that was not on tape a lot. So LSU really didn't game plan for it at all and had no check to make sure that he was doing that. Um, You know, and I think it was like his fourth touchdown run of the night. Like it was the one where he kind of stepped up and ran across the line of scrimmage. And he looked like it was the play after he missed Bond wide open, like a couple plays after that. Like he had Jason McClellan open in the flat and he looked at him like he was going to run and it froze the DB and it just opened up a running lane. He took off running like little things like that. And then against Kentucky, same thing, like he stepped up to run in almost the entire Kentucky defense. Like you could see it on tape, like stepped up and that Kobe Prentice was wide open. So he's just like, oh, okay, cool. I'm gonna take that. Like he's recognizing kind of what his skill set does to opposing defenses. And he's starting to recognize it a lot more in real time, too, which is really um, you know, that's that's what's really allowed for a lot of bigger chunk plays, I think, in recent weeks for the for the Alabama offense. So it's I think it's a combination of like we're only going to run the plays you like, but then also like he just feels a lot more comfortable now because, you know, he's played 12 games this season and he only started one coming into the year. Did, have they uh, I know this isn't in the, the outline as well, but have they had more design runs for him because I was just looking at his you know overall stats on the year. He only has 400 yards rushing on the year, which is kind of surprising considering how you know how big of a freak athlete he is. Uh, part of that is college football's dumb reasoning for like if you get sacked, the yeah. yardage you lose on that sack gets taken away from your rushing total, which is like mm. stupid. Yeah, um, he's got like six or 700 rushing yards, true rushing okay. yards this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think probably since the LSU game, they have included more designed runs. A lot of his runs that game um, were on scrambles, but there were quite a few. Like I think his first touchdown was very much a designed QB run, and they've started to include a lot more of those in the playbook for sure. Okay. So with how auburn was able to run the ball last weekend does that concern you coming into this game a little bit because george is really good at running the ball or at least they've been better about running the ball right like milton seems like he runs with a hot head every time he touches the rock now so you know but i i think the thing that maybe you know i don't like georgia does a lot of motion stuff like they'll move their slot guys around they'll move brock bowers around um you know, and I'm sure you guys see this plenty, but like, it's not quite the same motion based stuff that Hugh Freeze was doing. Like it's a lot more power in your face type running, um, mm-hmm. you know, and Alabama is really good at, at stopping the run. 
um, when it's just when they're just coming right at you. When they try to do all that window dressing stuff that Hugh Freeze does, um, that's when Alabama's linebackers get out of sorts a little bit. I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen it with Georgia's defense too. Hugh Freeze, you know, Auburn ran for 200 plus yards on Georgia, mm-hmm. and doing Georgia a lot Tech of did it last time. week too. Yeah, doing a lot of the same concepts, right? Like just, you know, and part of that is because, you know, Kirby and Saban run the exact same freaking defense. But, um, you know, and they look for the same personnel to run those defenses. And like, that's just kind of what it is. And so, you know, I, you know, I don't know that Georgia does a lot of that. And it would surprise me if that's something that they implement into their offense this week, because it's just not something that they've done a lot this season. So, does it concern me a little bit? Yes, but it also you look at the you know kind of the the history of what Alabama's been able to do against the run this season, and it's it seems like it's more the outlier than it is a reason to worry. Um, but I'm sure you know there's things that Georgia probably saw on tape there that they're going to try and implement at least their version of it this coming weekend because they'd be silly not to try it. With uh, with Bama really playing one team with a strong passing game in the second half of the season, do you think the secondary has improved or has the schedule just helped? the uh, perception of the secondary. I mean, I think we're, I think we're going to see the two best secondaries in the country this, this weekend on the field, you know, like I, Georgia's has been, that's been the strength of their defense. And I would argue this is one of Saban's better secondaries. Um, You know, we can nitpicks about which one's better, but mm-hmm. you know, like Alabama, you've got two first round cornerbacks and Terry and Arnold and Kool-Aid McKinstry. You got a superstar freshman and Caleb Downs that Georgia really, really wanted to keep home. Um, but then on the other side, like you've got Lassiter, you've got Starks, you've got like there's just dudes everywhere. So um, that that'll of the many challenges, like it'll you know Georgia's the run game has really picked up in recent weeks. But like you know Carson Beck's no joke throwing the ball right, and they've got a lot of pass catchers that he is comfortable throwing the ball to. Like it's not like they're just it's not like it's just Brock and a bunch of backup dancers. Like it is you know Dominic Lovett, Lad McConkey if he's healthy. Like there's a lot of dudes that. Carson Beck is comfortable throwing the ball at. And so I'm kind of curious to see how they do that and how it stands up against Alabama secondary. Um, you know, one, can Georgia protect well enough? Cause I think this is going to be the meanest pass rush they've seen all year. And two, if they do, who wins Georgia's receivers or Alabama secondary that I think will dictate a lot of this game. Mm. So do you remember what part of Georgia Caleb Downs was from? Uh, so he went to Mill Creek. So not Gwinnett Gwinnett County. County. That's that's why. That's why. That's that's exactly why he didn't (laughs) stay home. No, it's 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 a thing. It's a whole thing. Gwinnett County kids from Gwinnett, like it's just. I mean, it's you know east of Atlanta. They it's between Atlanta and Athens. It's like right in the middle. And for whatever reason, just Georgia can't get Gwinnett County kids. That's interesting. Regularly, at least. Yeah. Yeah. So Gwinnett County is like the transplant section of atlanta like nobody that lives yeah. in gwinnett county is from georgia right interesting yeah okay you... well that makes sense because his dad's a college football coach so they've they've bounced around a little bit mm-hmm. i know is i know josh played i think he actually went to gwinnett so maybe they've been there for a minute and mm-hmm. if you are from georgia and live in gwinnett, gwinnett county you hate gwinnett county and i know that because i lived <sighs> there for a short period of time i taught i taught middle school in gwinnett and i cannot wait to get the hell out of there <laughs> yeah it's, I mean, the Downs family is a really cool group of people. So I, I don't know. Maybe they're, I, yeah, I don't know. You guys well, would know more than me. I'm from Middle imagine America. Imagine the drivers from Florida, New York, and California oh. on streets designed for a third of the population that they currently have. Yeah. That's, that, that sounds gross. No, thank you. That's it is that disgusting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay there's not very many redeeming qualities there really there really isn't 
And, uh, and then on top of that, Georgia can't pull any of the superstar football players out of there. Huh? Yeah, maybe we're biased because of that. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's going to find all the negative parts about this part of yeah. Georgia because we can't. We, you know what? We don't want them anyway. <laughs> we did yeah. both live there, and I still yeah. have family that lives there, and it's very rare that I see them because I'm like, I live 15 minutes from the beach. You yeah. live in hell. Come see me. I'm not driving. Yeah. I'm not driving. Mm. That's funny. I like that. <laughs> I've, ooh, I kind of lost where we were at. Um, I think I think I got it. So, okay. uh, yeah, I do have it. Uh, what's your biggest concern going into this game? Um, well, how how in the world is Alabama going to defend Brock Bowers? Um, it's it's not a guy you can stop. And I know he's kind of hobbled a little bit, but like. They gave him last week off, I would assume, so that even if he's less than 100%, he's going to play the entirety of this game. Um, you know, if for nothing else to be a decoy for Alabama's defense, um, you know, but like, you know, even less than percent Brock Bowers is still probably the best time in the tree. So like, how are they going to stop him? You know, the fact that he's going to be on the field is going to open up so much more for Georgia's offense. Um, you know, and on top of just, you know, a miraculous pass catching threat, like he is a mean blocker too. And so like, that's obviously going to help out a lot in Georgia's run game. Um, him missing time has really helped, you know, the other tight ends come along a little bit. So I think, you know, was it against Georgia tech? They ran a lot of 12 personnel too, or maybe it was the week before that. So like Alabama's going to have to deal with that as well. I, I imagine that that's going to be a huge part of, of Georgia's run game, or at least, you know, when they come out to try and establish stuff. Cause if, I mean, if you got 12 personnel with two reliable pass catchers at tight end too, that's going to set up the play action game and, you know, that can cause all sorts of problems. Um, so yeah, like, how do you, I don't know that you stop Brock Bowers, but like, how do you limit him? Um, I think we have picked up a few hints about what Alabama might try to do over the last couple weeks. They've actually, speaking of Caleb Downs, he, um, you know, they've moved him into that star role, you know, that kind of linebacker, um, defensive back hybrid that, you know, Georgia has that as well. Um, you know, Kirby Saban, but you know, that's kind of their, it's that, that position star is more, it's lined up in the slot. Right. And so that, that's where, you know, Caleb Downs a little bit more, he's probably the best tackler on the defense. Um, maybe not as good of a coverage guy as say Terry and Arnold who, you know, plays corner, but, um, a lot more physical of a tackler, a lot more bigger, right? He's just more well-built, um, a better coverage guy than maybe Malachi Moore, who shifted back to safety the last two weeks. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Caleb Downs in the slot to, you know, kind of be that first guy on Bowers. But then also, you know, if Bowers lines up in line, um, you know, maybe you allow Jihad Campbell with his speed to take him and then you've got Downs there to maybe double and then bracket him. Or, you know, if they put Bowers in line and then you got Dominic Lovett in the slot, like, you know, that's, I mean, he's been the primary receiver, um, not so much pass catcher, but receiver for Georgia this year. And, you know, Caleb Downs can kind of man him up and then you, you allow Kool-Aid and Terry on and, and the rest of the gang to take care of McConkey and whoever else they put out wide. So that's one thought. Um, I don't know if it'll work, but I'm kind of interested to see if it'll happen. I, that's, I, I mean, you got to start with Brock Bowers, right? I mean, you start there and then I think, you know, maybe a, a one B or the second thing that I think Alabama has to do. And I'll be curious to see how Georgia handles this is like, they got it. They have to get to Carson Beck. Like, I don't know that they have to sack him, but like they have to disrupt his timing. They have to get him off platform. They need to get that dude on the run. And that's just not something most defenses have done this year, right? Like Georgia's given up, I think 10 sacks total in 12 games. Um, and I looked this up too on pro football focus. They, they have allowed 88 pressures total. Like that's just, you know, 
that no wonder Carson Beck has a clean jersey after every single game. Like I remember watching the Georgia Ole Miss game and they just, you know, piss pounded him. And then after the game, he's just like, yeah, like shout out to the offensive line. I don't feel like I was touched all night. And it's like, no, dude, like you weren't. You could wear that jersey tomorrow. Like it's, you know, so like he hasn't really been disrupted in any way, shape or form. And a lot of that is a credit to Georgia's offensive line, who has dealt with a lot of injuries this year. And they've shuffled through, you know, as many as eight, nine, sometimes 10 guys and they have still kept him upright, like that's really impressive. And so, you know, they have done well against teams that have one elite pass rusher, like, you know, Tennessee had James Pierce Jr. Florida's got a pretty tough guy. Um, Auburn, Jalen McLeod, he's pretty good. How do you deal with two of the best in the country? Like not just two elite pass rushers, but like we're talking two of the top 15 nationally in terms of pass rush productivity with Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. Like, Alabama's going to let those dogs loose, you know, and then on top of that, you've got Justin Avoidby, who's got, you know, eight sacks this year, Tim Keenan up the middle. He's not quite Jalen Carter-esque, but like he's very disruptive and he's really good against the run. Um, how does Georgia handle that? That's I, That could dictate a lot and that could make life a little bit easier on the secondary. I'm sure Georgia's going to draw up a lot of quick passing concepts and whatnot to try and get the ball out to mitigate that a little bit, but um, you know, can can they guard Brock Bowers and company? Um, and can they can Alabama get to Carson Beck? And those are the two things that I'm really curious about, at least, you know, from the defensive side of the ball for Alabama. Like if they can find a way to be moderately successful there, I think they'll like their chances. So what do you have the most confidence in Bama doing well this weekend? I think Jalen Milrow is gonna cause all kinds of problems. Um and <laughs> I, I, I think they are like, I mean, cause there's a few different trains of thought here. Like one, like I've said it before, like Kirby's defense and Saban's defense are basically the same thing. They recruit the same type of players. They recruit the same type of personnel to play the same positions in their defense. Like every now and then you get generational players, um, you know, Jalen Carter, um, for Georgia. And then in the case of Alabama, it's usually a defensive back who's just damn good. Right. Um, so, you know, okay. So that's, that's one train of thought that the, the defenses are identical. I've seen enough from Alabama to know that mobile quarterbacks and motion based schemes really give Alabama fits. And so I've watched uh, not a ton, but enough of, from Georgia, like the Auburn game, the Georgia tech game, Mizzou was doing it a little bit, mobile quarterbacks, motion-based stuff kind of gives them a little bit of trouble too. And on top of that, like their front seven is just not as deep as it has been in years past. That's what happens when you put 20 guys in the first round of the NFL draft over the last two or three years, right? So sometimes there's just a little bit of brain drain or talent drain, I guess. So you combine that with Milrow kind of, you know, becoming the Charizard form version of him now that he is and and he understands his powers. He knows how to use them. He can adjust on the fly a little bit. And so when you have a quarterback like that and you've got all the kind of pieces and weapons that Alabama has and has used a little bit over the course of the season, like I just feel like Alabama's offense can do a lot more things than maybe Georgia's offense can. I think Georgia's offense does like five or six things and they do them all really, really well. Alabama can do like 15 things. And I think that's just going to really stress 
Georgia's front seven out specifically. Like the secondary is really, really good. And I think they're going to respect that. It wouldn't shock me at all to see Milrow drop back like 35 times in this game, but he really only throws like 20 passes because he's going to get out in motion or they're going to do some jet sweep stuff and try to get guys out on the perimeter. Um, or he's just going to tuck and run the ball. And so I like, I like, I'm very curious to see how Georgia tries to defend Milrow because that first step burst that he has, man, like it is, it's something special when he decides to tuck and go. I'm not sure that there's anybody in the SEC outside of maybe Jaden Daniels who can get zero to 60 as fast as Jalen Milrow can. And that is going to cause Georgia's defense all types of problems. And so I'm really curious to see how they try to defend that and if they're able to do it. And if they can, what does Alabama do in response? I think I think I know the answer to this, but is is he is, is Jalen Miller coming back next year? I, I think he is. Yeah, yeah. I, there's there's a few people on our board at, at Bama 247 who thinks he's probably going to be gone for the league. I, I think he's got one more year of development in him. And then, you know, he I don't know that he's like an NFL type starter, um, you know, but he's a dude that could be like a really exciting, like 10, 13 plays a game type quarterback. You know, he could Jason be a competent backup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I you know, he's I, I he'll be back next year. I'm pretty sure I've I've heard no indication that he's even thinking about the NFL. I mean, to be fair, he's a lot better than Anthony Richardson. He went fourth overall. Right. Exactly. So he's, I think Anthony Richardson's also like six, four, two fifty or something like that. He ran a four, four help him in the NFL. No, I mean, not, but like, <laughs> yeah, Florida. well, Florida, you could chalk that up to a coaching thing, but yep. you know, no rose, what six, three, two thirty-five after Thanksgiving probably sits closer to two twenty-five. Um, so I don't know. He's he's an intriguing NFL prospect, but I oh, think yeah. he needs another he needs another year of, you know, 10, 12, 13 games under his belt and then we'll see where he's at at the end of next year. Then I yeah, there's I, there's some people that have kind of loosely thrown his name around in Heisman conversation. I'm like, "No, I'm like he's played really really well, but like not not quite to that level yet." The the Heisman's really down to two guys and if they invite any more, it's it's an honorary thing. Yeah. Who do you think the two guys are? I'm curious. Knicks and Daniels. I, I like that. I, I think so. I don't have a vote right now. I would vote for Jaden Daniels yeah. probably Same. because I've seen him up close mm. and I saw what he did to virtually every SEC defense he played. Um, but I think Bo Nix could steal my hypothetical Heisman vote with a tremendous game on Friday. Yeah. He's capable of it for sure. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I, and that's, I said it weeks ago that Jaden Daniels should absolutely win the Heisman. The only way he won't is if, the defense let him down so much he didn't have an opportunity to play this weekend, yeah. which ended up happening. Yeah. No, I think that's totally fair. I'm shocked that people have not shown up to uh, Matt House's house with torches and pitchforks for squandering the second best offense that school's ever had. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, I mean, they're going to 2019 Kelly. numbers and lost three games yeah yeah i mean it was when we were before that game i was looking at like numbers and i was watching a few of you know lsu's games and i was just like how in the world is alabama gonna stop this like i have no and then they busted on that first play to neighbors and i'm just like all right well here we go <laughs> yeah and it turns out you just needed a dallas turner attempted decapitation <laughs> he did he's done that to ewers he's done that to daniels like i really hope he doesn't do it to beck because i think this could Same. be important 
I think it could be a four quarter showdown as long as everybody stays healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we can't forget that he tried to tried to snap uh, Jackson Dart's neck last year either. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, because he did the. I think he. I think he almost did it again this year, right, with a face mask penalty. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I. It's which is funny because like he's just a really hyper aggressive player. Like he's one of the nicest dudes off the field that you guys will ever meet. Yeah. Um, but like he's just yeah. I mean he's you know people talk about that killer instinct and it's like. Yeah, that's Dallas Turner. Yeah, John had compared him to Indomitian Sue, which I mean is perfect comp. I think it's I maybe think unintentionally Indomitian Sue. Yeah, like I that's, think he that's just probably plays so fast and physical that he can't help but hurt people. But he's not like stomping on crotches because he's angry. Yeah, there's you know like I th- I think it was what after at the end of the Iron Bowl after you know, the last play interception, heave, whatever Turner and Braswell, there's a good picture of them standing over the quarterback. And there's a video floating out there somewhere where Turner actually helps him up. And hmm. so like, he's a good dude, but not between the whistles, like between the whistles, he wants to kill you. So that's what, that's what you want. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. If the NFL doesn't work out, I feel like he could be a really good UFC fighter. Oh, thousand hmm. percent. Which is funny because like most UFC fighters have like some sort of combat background. He grew up playing basketball. So Hmm. Um, if you got another few minutes, uh, you want to pick some games? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we're going to give you the spread, the over under, just like we did a few weeks back, but you just have to pick straight up. Um, so we got Oregon nine and a half point favorites against Washington over under 65 and a half. Over under 65 and a half. So I, I like Oregon. I, I think they do the job this time. Um, just not overly impressed with Washington's defense. Um, I just think Oregon's just a lot more physical. So, which is funny because I've been on this crusade the last two weeks where I'm just like mad as all hell that they are ranked ahead of Texas and Alabama and now Ohio State. Like they just shouldn't be number five. But I think they're a really good team. I just don't think they should be the fifth best team in the country. Um, (laughs) Texas, 15 point favorites against Oklahoma State, over under 55 and a half. I like I like Texas in that game. Um, two score spread sounds about right because I think Tavondre Sweat's just going to eat Ollie Gordon, and if that happens, I'm not sure Oklahoma State has a good counterpunch. No. Um, probably the most comical one: Michigan, 21 and a half point favorites against Iowa, over under a sad 35 and a half. So I, <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> I think I was. That was her reaction too. I think I was going to fluke their way into a first drive field goal and they'll be up three zero and then they'll lose promptly 38 to three. So you're taking the over 0.5 points in the first half for Iowa. Oh yeah. I, I okay. think Michigan just like stomps on their neck over and over and over and over again. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. We were talking about that a minute ago. That's a, that is the real line for Iowa's team total in the first half is 0.5. So if, if you're it's a real so degenerate, that free money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That over is exactly what we were talking about before you came on. Yeah. Uh, Florida State, two and a half point favorites versus Louisville over under 48 and a half. I think Louisville gets them, man. I, you know, now that they've got what multiple games or at least a game and a half of tape with Rodemaker out there, um, they almost lost to Florida, who was also playing their backup quarterback. Like, I just, I think Louisville's going to, I think they know they're out of the playoff. And so they're just trying to fight for a spot in the Fiesta Bowl, I guess. And so, or the Orange Bowl or wherever the ACC goes. So, yeah, I, I think, I think Louisville knocks them out, which would be great 
because that makes every other conference championship game a play-in game effectively. So do us all a favor. <laughs> it sucks today. It's at the at, that's the uh, last game that they're playing though, or the last conference championship game of that day. Yeah, they need the ACC championship game to be at like four in the afternoon on Friday. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, and that'll <laughs> just set the stage for everything else. Yeah, but. In this case, you have all of the teams that are hoping to get in, biting their nails, probably half a bottle of bourbon deep, watching this game, which is exactly what the Raider, what the ratings need. Yeah, I, I think if, you know, like, obviously Alabama's got to beat Georgia first, but like, if they do that, Texas takes care of business, you know, Oregon, Washington, whatever, I guess at that point, everybody's going to turn into a Louisville fan. Like, everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, last game, Georgia five and a half point favorites versus Alabama over under 40 or 54 and a half. Oh man. Um, I don't know, man, this is hard. Like I can see them both winning like 31, 27 or, you know, 28, 24, something goofy like that. Um, I don't know. I feel like right now. Just because, like, usually I have to, like, talk my way into, like, okay, like, how is Alabama going to win this game? Um, and I think I see the path, but they just, like, I, I for whatever reason, it's just, I don't know if it's just because it's big, bad Georgia. Like, I just, I think they're going to get it done. I think it's going to be close. I think you know, 30, 31, 28, or 31, 27 sounds about right. Um, I don't know. I, I would not be shocked if Alabama pulled it out, though, because they're just, they, they've had the knack of, creating the big plays when they need to create them this season and so it, it wouldn't shock me if they did but i guess when it comes to georgia like i just got to see them do it so i i guess for now i'm going dogs we appreciate you coming on and talking to us tonight um is there anything else you'd like to uh like to talk about before we get out of here um uh, not that i can think of man it's been a really fun season and you know i i kind of you know i joking that we want the ACC championship game to be first. I kind of wish the SEC championship game was last because that's, you know, probably the best. I know a lot of people like Oregon, Washington, but I think Alabama, Georgia is obviously going to be the the marquee game that everybody's going to tune into. So uh, last SEC game on CBS too. So we got to soak up that, uh, that intro music and, um, you know, enjoy Brad and Gary one last time. I actually wish it was first. So I, yeah, I can't wait around and, (laughs) pace yeah. and just be nervous and just yeah yeah just be intolerable the entire day i just wake up at eight take a shot of bourbon and just kind of whew, go we're on. both we're gotcha. both doing uh doing no alcohol until the end of the year yeah okay okay i can appreciate that see i don't drink it all during football season so like wherever alabama ends up for a bowl game like i just hope it's a fun city <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm like completely opposite usually it's all you know <laughs> totally during football season and I'm usually pretty dry the rest of the time. So same, same. Um, but I went a little too hard the other day and felt like trash for like two days afterwards and I'm having shoulder surgery in two weeks. So I'm until my shoulder is better. Nothing for me. (laughs) Yeah. I can appreciate that. No, man, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always fun talking ball and, uh, we should get a pretty good game on Saturday afternoon. So here's hoping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you want to tell tell the listeners where to find you, and then um, you can you can get on out of here and do whatever you got to do. Hell yeah, man. Uh, Bama two four seven. We're part of the two four seven Sports Network, so that's we're Bama two four seven at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I'm at individually at Cody Goodwin on Twitter. It's usually where I share most of my stuff and where I'm most active. And um, 
yeah, man, that's 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 what we're doing. So it's it's going to be a fun game. We got a bunch of stories still running out Thursday, Friday, podcasts, all stuff that we've been had going all week. So um, we're locked and loaded and ready for this game, man. It's it, it'll be a fun one. I, we don't know what's going to happen, but it'll be a yeah. fun one. We're excited for it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again and have a good night. Hell yeah, man. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thank you. All right. So, you know what? Let's do calling the dogs before we get into our our takes on this game. Okay. All right. So, once again, like we say every week, if you would like to be a part of calling the dogs, phone number is 678-465-8020. Get in on it. It's a ton of fun. We want you guys to uh, join in on it if you aren't already. Um, but here is this week's Calling the Dogs. Well, it's the big one, boys. It is the dogs versus the gumps this Saturday in the SEC championship game. And let me tell you something, somehow, some way, I am not nervous for this game at all. I understand there is a possibility that this game doesn't go the way I want it to. I'm not overly cocky. I get it. And here's what I see when I look at the Alabama University, Crimson Tide, fan base, coaching staff, players, all of it. I see a coach in Nick Saban who is hailed as the greatest coach of all time. You know, he came in, he established his dominance in 2008 in Stanford Stadium during the blackout. He's won six national championships in his time at Alabama. Right? Did I math that right? Yes, six just in his time at Alabama. He has been completely dominant, completely unstoppable, and he has never gone more than three years, or he's never gone three complete seasons. Excuse me, I need to get my math right. He has never gone three full seasons without a national championship. But he is also old as fuck. So he's about to do it this year and then retire for good. When I look around at Alabama's players, I see a guy named Jalen Milrow who's on the field screaming about how he deserves the Heisman after needing a Hail Mary to beat a 6-6 six six Auburn team. When I look around at the Alabama fan base, I see a fan base who doesn't understand that you do not screenshot the score and brag about the score and brag about beating a team by more points than Georgia did. until that score is 100% finalized. Because Alabama fans were bragging about that, and they only ended up winning by three. Congratulations, guys. You still think that's a big deal? Well, guess what? I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think it's that big of a deal that Georgia won by seven and Alabama won by three, because that's not the kind of insecure fan that we are. Dogs on top. Yeah, so long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, we are heading into the SEC championship game against the Alabama Crimson Tide. You know, normally I'm pretty nervous going into this game against Alabama, you know, every year. But for whatever reason, I am 100% confident that we're going to take Nick Saban's candy ass and just beat the fuck out of it. Just kidding. We're probably only going to win by like three points, you know, but still, we're going to win. We're going to go into the playoffs. And, yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say is uh, 
Who's that coming down the track? Um, it's me again. I didn't like my first message, so I thought I'd call back, and hopefully y'all didn't play it. But this Saturday, 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, the University of Georgia will be taking on the Alabama Crimson Tides for all of the SEC marbles in Atlanta, in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, where Alabama is 7-0 all time. Will it be 8-0? Nah, nah. Kirby Smart and the dogs are about to avenge that 2021 championship game and put a beat down on Nick Saban in the tide. And they will shove that trophy right up Nick Saban's candy ass. Woo! And that leaves me with only one thing to say. Who's that coming down the track? Um, and then we did get a submission through Instagram messages shortly before we came on. Um, it was Mike's brother, Miles. He really wanted me to let you guys know that birds aren't real. He's not wrong. I mean, we've talked about this quite a bit. I yeah. talked about that today at school. Birds aren't real. They've been extinct. They've been died off for like the last 50 years. They're all government spies. It's, exactly. It is a fact. If you don't, if you don't believe us, just believe us. Been since the seventies. I think seventy three was the last bird that was real. Um, Mike, what's your take on the SEC championship game? Um, well, after talking to Cody, I'm not nearly as confident as I was coming coming into it. Um, felt felt. Yeah, because yeah. I, I mean, I had every intention of talking about how you know we're gonna win by double digits and all that, and then he he really. I was worried about Milrow, and then, you know, after the Iron Bowl, I'm like, okay, you know, Auburn did that to him. He, you know, roller coaster ride like we talked about. And then he talked about how Alabama's defense and Georgia's defense are basically the same, which is true. I mean, it's all the same, you know, coaching tree and all that. Um, mobile quarterbacks give Alabama fit, fits. Obviously, it gives uh, Georgia fits as well, um, at times at least. And... Uh, I still think that we cover that five and a half. Would I put money on it? No, not not right now. If you asked me thirty minutes ago, yeah, not right now. <laughs> um, but I mean, I'm I, I'm really curious to see how how many guys that didn't play against Tech are going to end up playing on Saturday. My guess would be, like you know, Cody talked about too. Brock Brock's definitely playing. I don't see a world where he's not playing. Um, I don't know about Lad. I really don't. I think he will. Yeah, I, I, I put I, I out, so. Kirby put out an injury report yesterday. It means nothing. It was all coach speak. Literally yeah. everything mm -hmm. except for Pop. He's like, yeah, his yeah. forearm still broke. He's out. That was yeah, the only and then... one that was not just. Oh, you, you know, he did some stuff yesterday, but not today. So we'll see how it goes tomorrow and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he just said straight up. Uh, I think Ra Ra is probably not gonna play too, is my understanding. I would probably lean the same way. Yeah. So did and and did uh did Bullard end up coming back in the game on uh against Tech? Yes. I thought he left. He did. Yeah, okay. yeah. He only sat out okay. uh maybe two two or three plays. Okay. All right, because I couldn't remember if he did or not. Okay. Um but yeah, I mean 
I mean, Miro is going to get his at times. I don't think he's going to play or put up the stats that he did against uh, against Auburn, having 200 yards passing, 100 yards rushing, and all that. I don't think that's going to be the case. But Georgia does tend – I'm going to talk myself back into it. Georgia does tend, you know, to play up to competition. I mean, they've done that the last – I mean, really the last three years, but especially last year and, and this year. You know, you play, you know, not super great against, like, Tech and – uh, and Auburn, I mean, although you still won by you no know, more than a touchdown in those games, but then you come out there and kick the shit out of like three top 10 teams. So, I mean, they know they have to win and get in. If they lose this game, they're not getting in the playoff. It's not like 2021. No, absolutely. They're, not. they're not. Yeah, they're not getting in. So, like, it, there's no there's no fix in for Georgia to lose this game. There's no flu going around, hopefully. Uh, so we can get two SEC teams in because, again, that's not going to be the case. If anybody's going to get two teams in, it's, probably, it's either the Big Ten or the Pac-12 before the SEC. So um, I'm going to go with – like I said, I am going to go with Georgia to cover that five and a half. I'm, again, not, I wouldn't put money on it necessarily, but, I, again, I want to be shocked if they you know went by double digits as well. So um, I, want, I want to see the good Kendall that we saw the last, last couple weeks. I want Dejan to hold on to the ball. I want Makai not to muff the punt or kick off, anything like that. I just want a clean game. I don't want turnovers. That's the one. That's the other thing too. Is Alabama? Alabama's going to turn it over if we can minimize turning the ball over. Because I mean, Jalen Miller's going to fumble it or or you know throw an interception. If we can you know win that turnover margin, I mean, I think we give ourselves a great chance to win and cover that uh, that five and a half. And it's December. That means Arian has come out. Yeah. We have we. It, <laughs> He's it defrosted. He's ready December. to go. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, all right. So we've got Alabama this week, and I'm sure y'all have heard it just as much as we have. Nick Saban is four and one against Kirby. The last two times these teams have played in Mercedes Benz, Alabama has won. Georgia's never beaten Alabama in an SEC championship game. Sure. Yeah. All of facts. those things are true. Thing about mm-hmm. college football is that history's cool. Something to talk about. But right now is what matters. You know what else is true? No other coach or team has ever won back to back titles in the playoff era. No other team in the SEC has won. 29 straight games. That streak started after Georgia lost to Alabama. And what do they do in the second game of that streak? Beat Alabama. No other team has lost 25 draft picks over two years and made it back to the SEC title game. No other team on Alabama's schedule has top 10 in both scoring offense and scoring defense. No other team on Alabama's schedule has a secondary even close to what Georgia has in that backfield. Georgia has outscored common opponents by 12 points more on average, including blowing out Tennessee, who was leading against Alabama. Ole Miss, who had a lead on Alabama. And Kentucky. I don't care about the history of this rivalry. I don't care about Nick Saban. Kirby not only got over that hill, but he burned that fucking village down on his way up the mountain. Mm -hmm. It's not only time to burn the boats, it's time to go fucking primal on this team. 
it's time to give that team four quarters of hell, strike them until they quit, make those bitches never want to play again, better never rest, but it puts you to rest for the rest of the fucking year. Dogs roll the tide all the way back to their cousins' beds, and they're not, are, the dogs are not going to let a mid-Alabama team get in the way of their quest for making history. Dogs are winning. I don't give a shit what the spread is. Fuck yeah, let's let's fucking go. Okay, I'm back. I'm back, baby. <laughs> Hell right. yeah. Love um it. we probably should have put this in at the end, but we still have other games to talk about. We kind of kind of messed up with it. It's all that. good. Top so, of mind. Um so we got Texas versus Oklahoma. Texas 15 point fa- favorites. Oklahoma State, my bad. Oklahoma shit the bed did not get in this game. Um, over under 55. So Oklahoma State messed around and uh, proved me right a year late. Mm. Uh, getting to the Big 12 title game after beating the same Oklahoma team that beat Texas. Texas has been streaky this season. Um, I would say a decent amount of that was due to Quinn Ewers being injured and then missing two games that they still end up winning. Um, mm-hmm. Texas is statistically better in pretty much every category. So 21st in scoring offense, 12th in scoring defense, 31st in passing offense, 24th in rushing offense, 4th in rushing defense. But the Cowboys have hope. Texas is 94th in passing defense. And Oklahoma State is 35th in passing offense, averaging 265.4 yards per game. The problem is, Texas can make mistakes and win this game. Oklahoma State makes a single mistake and they lose this game by 20 points. Mm-hmm. I, they're going to need some of that Mike Gundy magic. Ollie Gordon is a hell of a running back, but I don't think one elite player is enough to win this game. I think Texas covers. Yeah, I'm... I've been kind of going back and forth on it as well. I, I think Texas wins for sure. And as much as I want to see Oklahoma State kind of win one for, you know, the, the new Big 12, I I don't see it. Uh, Oklahoma State struggled. They went to, what, double overtime against BYU last week, and BYU was not – Not great. Not, not Zach Wilson BYU, not soaking it in and – not no. soaking in the Cougars, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not mean. Yeah. Um uh not doing that for sure. Um <laughs> that threw you hundred percent off. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma State double overtime against BYU. Yeah, that yeah. Uh fuck it. Uh we lost my train of thought. Uh, just, just thinking about soaking. Um, it's really I, easy I, to stay okay, in so I was, place with that thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, like I was saying, I want Oklahoma State to kind of pull one off for the old, or sorry, the new Big Twelve. But again, I don't necessarily see that happening because I thought get all the old rivalry games that I you know talked about with the Civil War and then you know Texas Tech and Texas. Um, I thought Texas Tech could keep it close. They got, you know, boat raced and shit. But I'm going to go with Texas to cover that 15 as well because uh, I don't have a feel on, on Big 12 games. I have no idea. 
So I'm just going to go with the safe pick. Yeah, and uh, and I think it is hilarious that at Big 12 Media Days, their commissioner told Texas Tech's coach, do it for us again like yeah. you did in Lubbock last season, talking about mm-hmm. Texas. Um, in front of in front of Texas and o, OU uh, people as well. Yeah, so I think it'll be hilarious to see him hand the trophy to uh, to Sart. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like with the Big Ten and Patini with uh, giving it to Harbaugh, I, it would be sweet to see. It... <laughs> There's no, I, I mean, I don't really feel one way or another. I think again, if you know Georgia's fortunate enough to win. And they end up playing Texas at some point in the uh, championship. I think Texas would probably give them the most fits of anybody, but I like to see it. That'd be a fun game. Get get the revenge for uh, Bevo trying to kill Aga a few years ago. Oh man, that that wasn't Boom though. No, it wasn't. Yeah, Q. Yeah, Boom. Okay. Boom would fuck Bevo up. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, "States <laughs> back on the menu, boys." <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so ACC, Florida State, two-and-a-half-point favorites versus Louisville, over under 47-and-a-half. Um, so Tate Rodemaker didn't look even good against Florida. He went 12 of 25 for 134 yards. And considering that Louisville is allowing less passing yards per game than Florida, that doesn't seem like it'll work out too well for Florida State. Um I think the biggest thing that will help Florida State is that Louisville turns the ball over a lot. They're 52nd in the country in turnovers lost. While Flo- <coughs> Sorry. Well, <coughs> Florida State is first, only giving up, I believe the number was six turnovers all season. Um, so this is going to be a defensive battle with two teams in the top 25 scoring defense. I think that this line is right for this game, and I think Florida State struggles to score points. Mm-hmm. But their defense is going to win them this game from getting turnovers off of Jake Plummer. I think they cover, but I think it's close. I think it's, I a, I think it's a real backdoor. I think it's like get a interception off of Jake Plummer and kick a field goal with like two minutes left. Talk about soaking and backdoors in the best bet segment. Okay. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, so I, I can't get out of my head what I saw Florida State do in uh, in the swamp last week or, you know, a few days ago. It doesn't really instill confidence in me like you talked about how good uh, Louisville's defense was. I'm going to go with Louisville to cover because, again, I want this to be funny. I want chaos. And I think this is realistically, this is probably going to be the only game that has chaos besides obviously Oregon and Washington. But like we talked about, win and get in for that one. So I want some chaos. I want a reason to to sit there and watch the uh, selections show on Sunday at noon, and you know have have some intrigue there and and all that. So I'm going to go with Louisville two uh, or Louisville plus two and a half on that. Are you saying they win or just they cover? The- I'm just saying they cover. I I. I I'm not gonna go as far as them saying that they win, but I do think they cover. I would love, I would love to see them win because I've never really liked Florida State anyway. And uh, Georgia's playing Florida State right now in basketball. So, how's that going? Um, from the messages, I guess it started off okay. Okay. But that I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes. 
All right, so best bets with the uh, total lack of games this week compared to a normal week. I've only got two. Um, Kendall Milton at least one touchdown is plus 100 odds. Oh, that's that's easy money. Yep. Um, that, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't take that. Um, and then Tulane versus SMU over 47. Um, Tulane has been susceptible to close games recently. SMU's got a really good offense. I don't necessarily know who wins this game. I think if Tulane does, they probably make a uh, New Year's Six Bowl, so they probably like to go back-to-back New Year's Six Bowls. But I don't really have a read on who's going to win, mm-hmm. but I think the over 47 is uh, easy money. Yeah, I, it feels that way. I I don't necessarily have a best bet. So again, I don't really have a good feel for anything. There's not a ton of... They're starting to put more props in here uh, now, but I'm gonna uh, abstain from uh, from that for now because I man, not a whole lot I feel feel too good about. But if I can, I'll double down on that Kendall Milton one because again, that just seems yeah. like it's too easy. I mean, how many yeah. touchdowns rushing does he have this year, or just touchdowns? Period. Um, he said over two ten for the last three weeks. Yeah, I was say like it's over ten. Yes. Um, I'll look it up real quick. But yeah, no, he's had at least two a game mm-hmm. over the last three games. And considering one of those was against Tennessee, who has top ten rushing defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's pretty good. So he yeah. had two against Tech, one against Tennessee, two against Ole Miss, and then one against Mizzou and Florida on the season. He has ten. Mm-hmm. Which is a career high. There we go. Okay, so it's right on the money. You know what? Actually, I do have the best one of the best bets. We talked about it earlier. Uh, Iowa to go over that 0.5 points in the first half of that game. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go for it. Point over 0.5 first half. That whole game is just. It's a comedy. It has the potential to be very funny. It would be funniest if Iowa won. Yeah. I mean, Kirk Ferentz said that as much. I, I think that was a direct quote. He said, it would be funny if we won this game. And it would be. He's not wrong. If I, Iowa wins a 12-10 game because they get a safety. That I, I would I would lose my shit. Um, did this before, one last thing before we get out of here. Did they, I thought someone had said that they fired uh, Brian Ferentz or whatever Kirk Ferentz's son is. They, they haven't fired him yet, have they? I don't think so because I think it was either twenty five points a game or get or win their division. Yeah, which they so, did. So yeah, we uh, have we have another year of Iowa averaging you know sixteen points a game. Oh uh, oh wait wait it says Iowa on October thirty if they said it Iowa offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz won't return in twenty twenty four so oh end of an era. Um. What's it going to be like to be unemployed? Because if somebody else hires him, they hate themselves. (laughs) That would have been cool for like Arkansas to go that route instead of uh, Paterno or Paterno, not Paterno. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Different scandal. Um, So we're going to get out of here. We hope you guys um, all get drunk and obnoxious. Call us at uh, at the Calling the Dogs phone number on Saturday during games. Call us on Friday if uh, mm-hmm. if the Pac-12 game gets wild. But 
Uh, follow our social media at nothing.finder.pod on Instagram, at finderpod on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Just look us up there. If you rate and review the show five stars, send us a screenshot. We will send you a sticker. The more you rate and review the show, the more people can uh, can find us because that's how the apps uh, recommend shows to people. And um, hey, if you always, see a phone, if if somebody has a phone, you just go on their app, their uh, podcast app, and just give us five stars real quick. So you don't even have to tell them. If you're married and your spouse has not rated and reviewed the show, do it for them. If you have kids that have phones, do that. Make an account. Make two accounts. Make a couple Spotify accounts. Go yeah. for it. It's just money. You'll make more tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> As always, guys, remember there is nothing finer in the land. Then a chunk of Knox's Georgia fan. Third and a mile. Duggan from the two will throw it all the way across the field. It's picked up by Bullard. Bullard got it again. And Bennett to throw. Lobs it to the right corner. There's McConkey. He got on his donkey and made a sliding catch in the right corner. Touchdown.